0: For four mental health professionals, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California.
1: And I'm Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the
2: Vancouver, Canada area. And I, like Brooke, i am also a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area.
3: I like Joanna. I am a registered clinical counselor from the Greater Vancouver area.
2: Oh, you like me. That's nice. Thanks. <laughs> you should write that in All your right. journal. I, know. I said that he liked me. What a yes. nice brother moment.
0: Yes. yes. Because you're siblings. We are siblings. Welcome everybody. Uh I just want to point out one little Interesting thing. Before we we usually talk for a couple of minutes before we start recording, and uh, Brooke was talking about something that was uh, that was kind of neat or interesting or looked good, and she said a word that is not often heard in the United States.
1: Oh, and I didn't, was, didn't even know.
0: It was skookum. Could really? you please define skookum for us?
1: Um, snazzy
0: okay so you might say those (laughs) those shoes are skookum oh yeah yeah okay
1: snazzy great
0: great okay neat
2: yeah impressive exceptional
0: all right now is this used more kind of in a jokey way or would you know would you find someone you know, someone is is at an art gallery and they're saying, ah, this Van Gogh is rather skookum.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it would work really in that example because it's uh, art is too formal. It's more of an informal snazzy.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: All right. If
1: something's really like polished and well done, like if you went to a workshop, and the presentation was really well done. You mm-hmm. would say you could use it there, and say that the presentation was pretty skookum.
0: <laughs> That's ah, uh, I, I gotta say, uh, maybe it's maybe it's used in some parts of the states, but not in Southern California. I'll tell you that much. So,
1: yeah.
0: well, if you said well, skookum... while we're on
1: on words, I had a, a teenage client today. She's fourteen, turning fifteen, and. Um, we're doing like a pros and cons of her making a decision and one of her her cons was be that she was going to miss out on things so I said yeah you're gonna have some FOMO and she's like I'm sorry what's FOMO I was like "Fear of oh. missing out and she's like I've never heard that before I was like Whoa. what oh my. I was like FOMO is already out
0: oh the 14 year olds aren't
3: getting that
1: I thought FOMO just came in but FOMO is out already
3: I thought it was a type of milk
2: there's jomo the joy of missing out for those who like to stay home and not you know go out but that's crazy that it's already not like that's weird you'd think that would have been long lasting for sure
3: i've never heard of jomo before yeah
2: i've never heard i've heard of jomo i think it's not as um yeah it's not as well used. I think it's more presented as a joke thing. But yeah, the joy of missing out because some people are okay with kind of not being too busy and wanting to just stay at home and have a quiet night in, and it's okay that they're not at that party. So, yep.
3: so, so would Jobo be the joy of being out?
2: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> Joanna Boy Jobo.
2: Maybe that's a good one.
3: That's a okay
0: one. That's
2: a skookum <laughs> one, Sibo.
0: <laughs> skookum. Speaking, speaking of snazzy and skookum, we've got a little different, uh, different format here tonight. What we usually do on our podcast, if you've been a listener for all 40 episodes of the podcast, we are now at 40. Can you believe that?
3: 40. Uh,
0: what we usually do is one person picks up a topic and ambushes the other three with them. Sometimes uh, that it, it is a, a, just a whirlwind of uh, information, and everyone's just spewing all sorts of great data. And other times, it's most, about most toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but tonight, we decided to do something different. I mean, listening for the last few weeks, you would know that we decided to read a book together Uh, called Together, the book is Together, and we are going to do a little book club on that tonight, Uh, Together by Dr. Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States, wrote this book and uh, we've all read it now and we're going to share some thoughts about it, Um, our opinions, what we agree with, what we disagree with, whatever there might be, Uh, so this is our very first book club. And then at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell you what the next book will be in, like, five weeks, right?
2: right. Perfect. Book club. It's time for
0: book club. Oh, I should have done a different jingle for that.
2: I just did it. We're good. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Book club.
3: done.
2: (laughs) 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 Next time, Ryan. You could have a, it'll be an excuse for you to get out the guitar.
3: Can you do it again, Joe, but a little louder this time? Mm -hmm
2: book club book club it's time for book club
0: all right that's great. i
2: am not sorry yes i'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna put
0: that to music and we'll see how it goes oh, please don't <laughs> all right it's time for the book club so yeah. uh all right where should we begin
1: yeah so what did you guys think who wants to go first did
0: you like it? Did you not like it?
1: Ooh, yeah. Not everyone at once. Ryan?
0: I very much enjoyed the book. I thought it was, I thought it was great um, hearing from Dr. Murthy. Uh I like the way that it, that it actually was was formulated. He went around the United States, did a little uh, listening tour. To people trying to figure out what sort of health challenges and issues they were experiencing. And, uh, and they were talking about kind of the usual things drug problems, uh, smoking, um, weight concerns, all of that. But he kind of listened beyond that and tried to see, well, what's at the root of some of this or what are some common themes? And that's where he discovered that it was that loneliness is kind of an epidemic uh, in, in the United States, I would imagine Canada as well probably other parts of the world and he uh he discovered that gosh there's just there's just this this problem with people not having those close connections and those resources uh that they need and that just contributes or or makes even worse some of the problems they are already experiencing and so just the fact that he just spends the whole book kind of outlining what the problems are with uh loneliness and what we might be able to do about it um i found it a really engaging book it's it's a little long. Uh, I listened. I listened to the book on uh, on Audible, and it's about a ten hour listen. Um, but honestly, I was never bored. It always it was a it was very engaging. It kept me uh, kept me very interested. He yeah, also
3: nicely, yeah, it
0: flows nicely. And I got to say, it it he folds in a bunch of different ideas um, that uh, I, I would say this is almost. Maybe a criticism of this the self help genre, I would say, is as as I was listening through, I'm like, okay, it seems like all the all the self help books these days kind of have a similar thing. Okay, let's go to the brain science of it. Let's talk mm. about the uh, prefrontal cortex and uh, fMRI uh, studies. Let's look at the brain stuff, and then let's talk about Brene Brown and vulnerability, and let's talk about. I mean, there's just a lot of like common topics and themes that uh, that are put into books like that this is not a criticism of his book in, in specific it's just kind of the self-help uh genre in general it also helps you feel like this is familiar and and oh i know what you're talking about because i've i've heard of Brene brown before you know hmm. anyway i i thoroughly enjoyed it i learned a lot um maybe later on i'll give some of the key ideas from the book but it was uh it was a really good read i enjoyed it
2: great joanna um, I, so I, uh, slap on the wrist. I did not fully complete this book. Um, but it wasn't for a lack of liking it. I actually really like this book. I just don't know where time went for me. So, um, I minus a few points there for myself, but, um, I found it easy and very interesting. Like the stories, the people he talk about, uh, he hit on a lot of different points and you're just like, yeah, like I found myself like wanting to like, Talk to someone about it after. Be like, I didn't know this, or um, he relates it. I think there's something that we can all relate to in here, um, and w- like just loneliness in general. I think we've all felt that. So I like how his writing. Um, I think it's pretty cool that him being in his position he is as a surgeon general, or just um, being an MD and all his learnings over the course of his career. I think it's um, it's cool to be along for that ride in his journey. Um, I like, he ties in COVID to his author's note at the beginning, which is great. Um, because yeah, we're all dealing with it. And so he kind of puts in a few little key strategies there for, um, kind of how to embrace this the best way we can. So, yeah, I really liked it. I'm going to kind of finish off the last bit, but I look forward to it. So thumbs up.
3: Cool. You're going to do that right now, Joe, you're going to finish it off.
2: Uh, not this very moment, but okay, yep.
1: Yeah. Her earbuds are actually plugged into her phone. She's listening to it
2: right now <laughs> in one ear. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, no. Sibo.
3: Um, yeah, I'm I'm impressed by uh, the book for sure. I really enjoyed it. Um, this is a uh, a top doctor in the United States, and Ryan mentioned how he traveled um, the country and just received all this feedback from. Um, all sorts of uh, people and all walks of life, and for a doctor to delve into loneliness was uh, is just fantastic. Usually, doctors, of course, they abide by the medical model, and usually, they focus more on physical conditions. So, for him to be open to to hearing those stories as well as exploring it, there's a lot of research and data out there. Uh, we've, I think, we've all we all read quite a few books and research but definitely some studies I did not know about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for him to conceptualize it as a medical doctor and the comparisons to some of the physical conditions, I thought was great. Um, So I liked how he laid it out. Um, I also thought it was very practical. So I felt kind of excited at the end. I was telling uh, Brooke that, um, you know, it'd be kind of fun to initiate one of those uh, ideas in our community. And see if that has an impact in, in regard to people's well-being physical and mental well-being so i think ryan uh, um, has been working on some notes and maybe we'll break down some key ideas and we can all jump in there
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: but i'm looking forward to sharing some of those practical ideas tonight
0: And there's an interesting thing i noticed i don't know if you guys noticed this yourselves but maybe it's by virtue of him being his being a, an md and also kind of a you know he's a He's in in the government. You know, he works for the government here. It's kind of a big on big policy and, and those sorts of things. The, inter, the interventions he talked about were about systemic changes, like forming groups or forming clubs or you know, facilitating these uh, these programs and things that might help people uh, fight loneliness. What what I missed from this was that the more it individual psychological approach of how do you, how do you, if you are lonely, how do you overcome your fears or concerns and develop new uh, connections with people, you know, which I believe was covered in an earlier episode of how to make friends, uh, Mm -hmm. earlier episode of our podcast, how do you make friends, but he kind of, he didn't really go there, which I thought was kind of interesting,
3: you know, True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already figured that one out. That's probably why. Yeah, right. We figured you it
0: it out. You must
1: have heard our podcast. Knew it was um, already done.
0: It's it's a complex issue and it's something that I, I face with clients, you know, all the time. You know, how do I actually overcome my own loneliness and, and connect with people? And there are a lot of individual issues going along there, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. He didn't really touch on that part. He just said, let's get, you know, communities to do outreach and and build some of these uh, systems that'll help people connect. Do Which think- I agree with
2: do you think there is a bit of like when he talks about self-awareness and self-compassion and things like that, that, you know, building on that could help or. Sure. I could also see. Yeah. I could see, I agree that there's not a step by step, but even his talking about technology or just talking about individualistic culture, or different things, you're almost like, I'm understanding a bit more of loneliness if I feel it, you know? And I think that, is really helpful in itself um yeah I just think there's a lot of interest like good food for thought and I think this is actually a really important first step I could see for people in terms of helping themselves mm-hmm. with loneliness so.
3: i absolutely yeah, I agree
0: that I think that there's a lot to be said you know I think a lot of people will read this book and realize you know read this book for whatever reason and then realize oh my gosh I'm lonely you know they don't maybe don't even know it themselves and then seeing a lot of the yeah. things that are in place with the with the digital stuff and all of that that might be problematic um i just know again clinically speaking and this isn't you know a, a psychology self help book in this way but i just know that there've been a lot of people through the years who have been like i don't know how to make friends how what do i need to do to to you know i'm lonely and mm-hmm. i can't seem to be able to uh, to connect to people i don't know how to do that so mm-hmm. there's just some some part of that and that's just True. Hey, totally. it's, a, it's a big book. He covers a lot of stuff. He can't cover everything.
2: Yeah. No. Brooke, what do you think? Uh,
1: I also liked it. Yeah. I'm on team. I'm with you guys. I liked it. I thought it flowed well. I liked his integration of stories. I like the stories were diverse. They weren't all one walk of person, which I thought was really important as well. There was a variety. Um, and yeah, I like that it was interwoven with enough education, but it made it accessible for readers. Um, you would think I get tired of hearing people's stories given what we do for a living, but I never do. I never do. So I am really drawn to books that are a bit more storytelling or memoirs. So this was nice uh, middle ground to have some information interwoven with stories mm-hmm. to accentuate what the lesson is or or the point he was trying to make. Um, yeah, I thought it was, pretty easy to read overall which is good and I thought it flowed nicely so that's good too yeah overall liked it so just a side note though um for listeners Joanna and I read the book and then mm-hmm. Chris and Ryan listened to the book and I listened to part of the book and he narrates the book right it's actually mm-hmm. him um so easy read but also easy listening so depending on your your choice there yeah mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's kind of neat when the uh, author does narrate the book, of course, through intonation and the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a little more illuminated when it's his story,
1: yeah. but uh,
3: definitely an authenticity there. And I think the guy lives his values, you know, um, and just sort of talk about his family as well. Like, not easy to to bring in those personal stories, but definitely appreciated it.
0: Yeah. I've listened to a lot of books in the last few years since... since uh, kind of getting on the, the audible audiobook sort of thing. And there have been a number of authors who I think really want to read their book, but they they just don't have that, whatever that little talent is or skill to, to, to bring their book to life. And, uh, and Murthy really does. He, he does a great job with that. And, and yes, a lot of the stories, as you talk about the storytelling, he's telling stories about other people's lives and things that happen with other folks, but he's telling his own story as a, uh, as as an Indian American, right? Who who uh, you know his family. He he felt lonely a lot of times in his own past, and uh, talks about his times on the, on the you know on the playground as a kid, and and different things that he experienced, some sort of discrimination and kind of being left out. And uh, it's very very vulnerable.
3: He 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 walks his talk. You're right. I
1: agree. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He also spent some time in Canada, which uh, which was kind of cool to hear too. Where was he? Uh, he was on the east coast of Canada. So his dad, I think his dad was a medical doctor as well.
0: Oh, that's right.
3: Yeah. And uh, they moved to a small town and, and uh, made those connections. Obviously, uh, it was tough at times, I'm sure. But because it seems like his parents really lived their values as well. And were very compassionate and other-centered. So by, by them caring for the folks in that town, they in turn cared, cared for them. So it was kind of neat to hear how that kind of played out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, uh oh. What happened? Oh,
2: no, <laughs> they both froze. <laughs> they both what? froze. Oh, there we go. Are we back? No, you're, you're back. You're back. You both froze there.
0: Just after so, and yeah, then we everything got
1: froze. Uh, I was going to say, Ryan, I'm stealing your job tonight. By moderating a little bit.
0: Oh, it's fine. This is egalitarian, yeah, go so,
1: right ahead. Um, okay, sounds good. So then, what uh, what do you guys think are some, some early takeaway points? I know, Ryan, you were very prepared, made some notes. I had good intentions too, but they turned into good intention notes, which means mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, just like pieces that you think would be valuable for readers, like the takeaway points that were would be like little nuggets, for them um, or the areas that would be impactful. Just curious there, I would I would jump on a little bit, piggyback on what Ryan was talking about just now, but like the understanding, like how the individual and how do we break free of that loneliness. But I think by him, part of this book is gonna go over the evolution of loneliness. Why do we feel lonely? Mm-hmm. What is the purpose and function of loneliness? and defining it and really fleshing it out. And I think when you look at it in that way, it uh, takes that stigma or judgment or shame against the self and it can take that away a little bit, lighten that load so that you can step in the discomfort once you realize what that discomfort is and why that discomfort is there. So I think that portion of the book really carried through the rest of the book to say, you need to have the courage and bravery to like face that feeling when you're stepping out of loneliness where you're feeling awkward or uncomfortable or threatened and slowly build that to really make these connections so for me i think that was one of the main themes that i took away that i think would be
3: helpful yeah i it's i fully agree it's kind of neat to hear about the evolutionary piece of it um and yeah, there's a lot of neurochemicals involved here. When you connect with someone, there's do- dopamine that's released. And, and I think we realized really early on that we are stronger together. And if you felt that disconnection from others, then uh, it usually led to a range of stress hormones that would kind of kick in. And I think that was like a short-term motivator to, to connect again, to do what you need to do to survive. And, and what that meant is to, to kind of connect and have those relationships with others Um, what he kind of pointed out too is um, the longer you experience that loneliness it starts to have some pretty intensive uh, consequences in terms of your physical health Ryan mentioned was it last podcast or the week before that uh, physically it's like the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day which of course took my point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which uh, of course our ancient ancestors were chain mm. smokers, so
2: totally.
1: Would, would are there other points that you guys would take away or oh sure. Feel that people like what what
2: were your main takeaways? I, I mean I just to piggyback on oh sorry. I ahead. was just gonna quickly piggyback on Chris because uh yeah, uh just the importance of um yeah just like ryan said just it's a epidemic like it's just you don't really think of that you don't think of it up there with um a lot of health concerns whether and chris made note of the 15 cigarettes thing like it's could be the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day in terms of our um taking some years off our life or even worse than obesity. So, I think just some of those shocking kind of revelations he shared at the beginning I was like holy smokes like you know loneliness isn't good but it's kind of uh you don't realize that it should be taken as seriously as a lot of our yeah, physical health concerns or things that affect us in different ways. So
0: All I'm yours very, Ryan. All mine. Okay the other guys are frozen anyway so it works out um i i actually found there was an interesting distinction that he was he made between uh loneliness and solitude and
2: Mm.
0: he talked about how um you know solitude is is like an empowered feeling of i am Mm -hmm. i'm spending time uh by myself. And in fact, he, he mentioned how in, in other cultures and other times it was called uh, one uh loneliness. One, oneliness, oneliness, that's right. Oneliness solitude is yeah. called oneliness, which is, which is seen as a, a good thing. Great. You're going to go connect with yourself. You're going to understand your, your values better. You're going to understand who you are kind of get in touch with yourself. Good. That's a good thing. And it uh it's interesting that he even talks about how paradoxically, solitude is actually one way to help you uh fight off loneliness oh, right yes. because once you when you when you actually are able to be alone and feel comfortable with that mm-hmm. kind of enjoy your own company then mm-hmm. being alone when you don't have people around you you kind of you want that It, it you kind of build a resilience to that definitely you learn and to feel better. even
2: for sure so it's almost like just because someone's by themselves doesn't mean they're lonely Right. They could be enjoying that solitude, seeking solitude. And um yeah. A lot of people enjoy that. So I think that's yeah, that's a really good, a good one for sure.
0: I have a I have a quote. You ready? Yes. Here we go. A quote from the book. Solitude allows us to get comfortable with being ourselves, which makes it easier to be ourselves in interactions with others. That authenticity helps build strong connections solitude paradoxically protects against loneliness
2: Hmm.
0: so so that might be something to think about um especially for some folks who are really scared of the loneliness or or something like that well maybe maybe the the approach maybe the first approach might be to get more comfortable being with yourself and just being Mm
2: you
1: know
0: appreciating your own solitude right
2: totally um yeah. I really liked that. And the oneliness and just that um, difference. Oneness. I think that's important. Yeah. I think, um, and another, just in terms of differences um, or just culturally kind of, or, or what, well, no, not culturally. What was he saying? Just our expectations. Right. And so, like, we can feel loneliness can be impacted by yeah. Unmet expectations that we have. Right. Um, Cause you can, mm-hmm. it's interesting. He said, you can be in a cafe and sit by yourself, but you're around other people who are also sitting by themselves reading.
0: Yes. Yes. You're not,
2: you're not feeling alone. Um, but all of a sudden you're asking for a table for one in a restaurant where all these groups of friends or family members are meeting. And you're all of a sudden starting to feel that loneliness. And so it's just, it's um, cause there's almost this, yeah, it's just a different expectation or maybe meaning put on that. But it's, I thought that was such a good point because.
0: It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The the setting and the expectations make a big, big difference. And when I, when I read that part, it made me think of like the kid at school at lunchtime, right? Maybe the mm-hmm. new kid or for whatever reason, the kid who doesn't have people to, to sit with at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, every, what, what, what's going on all around him or her, you know, they're viewing all these other people in the lunchroom eating Mm -hmm. together laughing, having a good time. And that just seems to, you know, shine a spotlight, a magnifying glass on just how alone you are in that moment. Right. Definitely. Whereas if you're, you know, yeah, a whole group of people sitting on the on a subway train together and no one's talking to anyone else, then fine. It's not a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So the setting makes a big deal. So I guess that goes into, I don't know if you got to the part yet where, he starts talking about some of the interventions that people make, but that lunchroom thing is, mm-hmm. is actually one of them where a, uh, and he, he makes a lot of different uh, examples of, of people who've tried to fight off the loneliness. And um, I don't right now recall the name of the the club, a kid in, in high school decided that, Hey, we're going to try to reach out to people and, and like form like the lunch club or something like that he can't remember the actual name of it. And and these kids just you know nice high school kids decided that's what they were going to do they were going to go out and seek out the kids who were eating alone and just invite them hey you want to come eat with us mm. you know come sit at our table and a number of them agreed you know they, they could agree or they could just they could say no thanks i'm fine being alone and that's fine too they're not they didn't push them or pressure them they just said come on and join us for lunch and and as they did that the group grew and grew and grew and they kind of spread their philosophy around of, Hey, you don't have to be alone if you don't want to be let's uh, mm-hmm. someone's going to reach out to you and make it a more popular thing. And, and as this kid, the kid who started this was surprised to, to find that it actually spread out to like multiple schools in his town and it become kind of a big movement to like yeah. reach out to the kids who don't have anyone to share lunch with. And I, I just thought that's beautiful. Those are, those are the stories that warm my heart, you know?
2: Definitely there's um yeah that one and there is i know i feel like chris will want to talk about this one so i'll wait for that but even the i think there was talking about it's just connecting i don't know talked about the mayor i don't know if it was of some town but he talked about kindness is after in honor of his daughter and trying to spread kindness and
0: um, i was down here Joe, that was Anaheim, California. There you go. The mayor of Anaheim decided to run on a campaign of kindness. Let's make our our city a kinder city.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And what happens?
2: Yeah, people, he was, um, yeah, he won by a landslide, it sounds like, or at least a substantial margin, I think the book said. But, yeah, he just really set out to connect people, and he even did so in his own neighborhood, I think. He did a Be My Neighbor get-together, I think, and he had – um he didn't know his neighbors so he invited everyone over and they talked about just how connection is so powerful and being there for each other and um let's talk about how we can keep each other safe or if someone needs something and um yeah everyone was just able to get to know each other and because so often we actually don't know who's living right beside us and it's uh yeah oh hello
3: i'm back hi stranger I mean some Wi-Fi issues. I feel also lonely. Yes,
0: disconnected. Yes. Well, you still have some Wi-Fi issues, it looks like. So <laughs> I hope you can make it back. Um oh. there he goes. Yes, that was great. And there, are yeah, great, a lot of great examples of that. Another one I wanted to mention was um something formed in Southern Australia.
2: Know what you're
0: gonna say. Yes. You know you this got one?
2: excited about this last time. That's I did.
0: I did get yes. excited about it. So I'm gonna mention it now. shed. Yep. Yes, they call it the men's shed. So this was um a, uh, a a woman whose father had just retired and she noticed that he was getting kind of depressed after retirement, he didn't really have much much to do, much of a purpose. And uh she she volunteered him for like a, a meals on wheels program. And then, and then volunteered him for a uh, like a community police volunteer program. Um, she just she, this this daughter is really trying to get her dad involved and engaged in the community, which is great. And then they kind of happened upon this other idea, which was to form this um, this community called the they called the Men's Shed, which is just like a a little warehouse, a little little space where men, usually of retirement age would come and bring their tools um uh, and build stuff it <laughs> was just build things and there's there's one rule there which was uh you can't build things for personal gain everything you build in the men's shed you build it so that you can sell it to help uh help pay for the the men's shed itself for the materials and the rent uh, of the and place the rents, and all yep. that yeah mm-hmm. and so and, but the guys just loved going there and love i guess it's it's grown from southern australia to i think in, into europe and, and other places where mm-hmm. uh these guys just kind of okay this is my thing to do i go to the men's shed and we we work and we have banter and we have a you know we we give each other a hard time and we teach each other things and mm-hmm. we have a little back and forth and we talk about the the soccer game or as they might mm-hmm. say the football game and mm-hmm. uh they just enjoy that uh, that that camaraderie and that is i think that's just such a beautiful idea
2: i think so too i think um and what did he say our research shows that like women tend to go into have more deep face to face conversations and men talk best shoulder to shoulder kind of doing something mm-hmm. you know and i think so having that be a place and what he said too is that there was no, in order to be able to go work in the men's shed or do something, there was no admittance of loneliness needed. Like you, it was just a, you're able to go, you didn't need to go and say, Hey, I'm struggling or I have no one to hang out with to, you know, you just showed up and it was kind of this, everyone together. So I thought that was really neat. It didn't single anyone out. It didn't say, Hey, you know? yeah
0: that's true that's that's exactly yes we'll we'll work shoulder to shoulder building my rocking chair whatever i'm gonna build here mm-hmm. and uh and you don't have to come in and say i feel really lonely yes. i'm just you're just there you belong and uh they talk about giving each other a hard time it was a really sweet story in there of of a man who had a a cancer diagnosis and mm. uh was I think he was a big, a heavy drinker and smoker. And, and he was in the hospital and they they were able to do surgery and remove whatever cancer he had. And the doctor said, look, you've got to, you've got to find something else to do besides just drinking yourself to death and smoking yourself to death. Mm -hmm. And so then this guy found the men's shed and he went and, and joined up and built up a, a group of friends while he was there. And after a couple of years, uh his cancer came back, but in the second time when he went into the hospital for his cancer treatment, there were dozens of people coming to visit him because he had built up all these connections from these friendships through the med shed mm-hmm. and And he was in much better spirits and, and the, the second treatment went a lot better. I just thought that's, I mean, wow, what a what a beautiful story. No kidding. Yeah. Yes. So speaking of community, uh, we talked about, uh, solitude and loneliness. We've talked about a couple of the different interventions from the, the school where the kids were reaching out to, uh, to other kids who were lonely at lunchtime and, and kind of trying to pull them in. And we talked about the men's shed. So just a couple of different ideas, guys. What have you been doing for the last 10 minutes?
1: Uh, refreshing our Wi-Fi over and over. Unplugging, replug, refresh, refresh. Welcome nice. back. All outage.
2: Hey Sibo, um, you like the concept of a, a thing that I think started. Was it in Japan? I think
0: it started. Oh,
3: yeah, Moai. Moai. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, those stories. Like, it was, uh, it's interesting. There's there are some initiatives out there and uh, that connect people, but I like the uh, the story of it. And how organically it. Uh, came about and he referred to these blue zones a lot in the book i'm not sure if you guys talked about that over the last 10 minutes and, and uh, so blue zones are these areas of the world where people tend to live longer so quality of life and as well as live longer than the average um, age so and then they go into these communities and do research in terms of what's going on there and so the moai was was one thing that they kind of pinpointed as very beneficial so I think it was fairly informal, like just trying to link um, folks together based on common interests. Mm. And I think it's been formalized in other parts of the world, I believe. And I, I forget what he said, but was it 10 weeks? Um, and then you you bring people together um, and then I'm not sure what happens after the 10 weeks. Maybe you, you kind of reconnect with or connect with another group of people. But the idea is to uh, create opportunities to establish some close connections. So people can go out and walk together or sew together or play sports together, whatever it might be. So I thought that was a really neat idea. And uh, I'd love to do some more research on it and see if that would be a good fit for maybe our community, for instance.
0: (coughs) Um,
2: Such a good idea.
0: I actually, when I was learning about that or hearing about that, it actually made me think of the four of us because Mm -hmm. Uh, what he talked about with the Moai is that they keep regular contact with one another. Even he talked about himself, <laughs> really strangely, he talked about his own Moai community as a group of people he met at a conference and they keep in regular contact via, via video conference, you know, video chat. <clears throat> and they kind of hold each other accountable to goals and they, you know, check in with each other emotionally and personally. And, uh, I'm like, what are we, that's what we do. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And he noted that it, they started out as friendships where they would seldomly see each other, but when they did see each other, it'd be a deep connection. And so they, they figured like, why not make this a priority? Let's make this plan so we can have more of this. So it was purposeful. Um, mm-hmm. let's connect each month and, and chat about things and be able to talk about the hard times and good times. And it sounded like that became a big part of, Yeah, a lot of decisions in their life and having people to bounce ideas off of so it was um yeah strategic on their part to foster that connection and it worked out well Mm
3: -hmm.
0: i think the four of us do a great job of connecting of course we connect on a weekly basis we've done this for years even several years before the uh the podcast started but uh but yeah maybe we need to start like talking about our goals and things we want to you know what what are we striving for? And what you know, I think that's what we'll he does. Hold right? yeah, yeah, we'll we'll each other accountable. Yeah, hold each other accountable. Like, yeah. hey, here's what I really want to do. And and let's, you know, so talk we'll do about a Moai that.
1: Before we do a podcast, we'll do a Sh- Moai meeting and then sure. A podcast meeting. Well,
0: we, we essentially do that anyway. We just don't have that accountability piece, you know. Like, what do you what are you working towards? What are you trying to how are you growing in your life, right?
1: I feel like the past few weeks it would have been. Trying to finish the book. Well, really, like the past one week, I really only started reading it on Sunday. <laughs> so, what? Any spare minute? I'm like, I need to read the book now. I need to read the book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You yeah. start on Sunday and you're done now.
1: I did not fully complete the book, but I got oh. pretty darn close. I got pretty darn close. I have maybe, I don't know, it's either 40 or 60 pages left. Out of the 284, so good job. Um, I probably could have finished it if I neglected my clinical notes today, but I chose to do my clinical notes instead of finishing the book because I will finish the book, but it's
0: probably yeah. worthwhile.
3: That's okay, yeah.
1: Anywho, we are in Maui, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. I love the idea of Maui. So it uh, originated in Okinawa, I believe it was Japan. And there's one of these blue zones that they researched. So really cool idea, practical.
1: Yeah, something uh, I'm going to have a criticism here.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Not
1: a, It's not a big criticism, but just something when I was reading it uh, didn't flow as nicely, Um, which was when he was talking about all the different statistics when he would get into the numbers. Sometimes he would use percentages, and sometimes he would use numbers of people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't consistent, and it would be in the same paragraph. So a certain percent of people feel this way or that way, and then it would say in a different population, 179,000 people feel this way in this different population. But it wasn't a percentage when he just spoke of a percentage, and it kind of threw me off a little bit because I was like, "But these aren't comparable." I don't know, nitpicky thing. I don't know if anybody else. Pick up on that.
0: I did not pick up on it, but I believe you. And I could see how that would be annoying.
1: <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it was apples and oranges. That's all I'm saying. I was like, sure, that's a big number, but what was the percentage? So we can compare it to the other percentage that you just said.
2: Yeah, makes sense.
0: It yeah, does it make sense. Wasn't
1: consistent. So I'm not sure why that was, but yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. who knows Mm
1: -hmm.
0: shall I go over some key points real quick here I mean we've kind of done some of that but but just kind of doing a little a little bit of overview if if listeners have not read the book yet they might want to know what they're missing and maybe uh, pick it up and and take a look Um, a few things that he mentions uh, he talks about the dangers of loneliness, the types of loneliness. He talks about dividing loneliness into three layers, intimate loneliness, which is longing for a close confidant or intimate partner. He talks about relational loneliness, which is just quality friendships and social support. he talks about kind of a collective loneliness, which is really hungering for a community of people uh, to be around you, right? People to who share your, your purpose and your interests, right? Uh, which I think is, we may have one of those, we may have all of those, maybe a combination. He talked a lot about the evolution of loneliness, which is how, you know, really in in prehistoric days, you know, the the need for the community was very clear. I mean, we had to to be in a group together in order to survive, uh, whether it's for resources or to protect one another from predators or whatever it might be. And that is really kind of deeply ingrained in us. And I think we could go into like attachment theory and other things there. Like I need to have people around me uh, in order to survive. Uh, However, we also have this trend towards individualism, which is kind of a pervasive thing. A lot of people in, in cultures, particularly here in the United States, and I'm sure it's probably similar in Canada where individualism is such a high priority among folks, you know, I need to do my own thing. You can't hold me back. I want, I want the freedom to do my own thing. And, uh, and so there's this push and pull between this need for individualism and this need for connection. Um, And really in, uh, in the States here, what, what Murthy would say is that we're like individualism is winning over collectivism. It's kind of, it's, uh, it is prevailing. And so then therefore yeah. people are more.
3: Counterintuitive
1: to our evolutionary development. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, what's interesting as well is the, I was reflecting on this when reading the book is that we have a gigantic capacity as human beings to connect, you know, love, compassion, altruism. It's, uh, it's amazing. But we also have this capacity to, um, to I don't wanna say hate, but not understand or, or have division, you know, um, kind of the us versus them mentality. So you have your, your close friends who are safe than those who are different uh, from you or have different interests or look different, whatever it might be. Um, you have a hard time maybe establishing that connection because there's in us too is um, we wanna maintain a sense of safety and sometimes not knowing someone um, we we assess that as potentially harmful and dangerous but that polarity you know that we see and we see it a lot these days in the united states and canada as well mm-hmm. um and i i think he kind of spoke to that as well about in terms of the importance of having conversations and connecting and how uh, i'm not sure if you get to this ryan but uh, focusing on the person not their views which mm-hmm. i thought was a, an excellent point
1: Yay. Big story about that one in there. Yes. What's the story? Um, it was the two fellows and the one eric and Matthew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the one fellow uh came from a family of white supremacists and yeah. was born and raised and went to college elsewhere and um befriended somebody of a Jewish background. And uh, but he was kind of outed while while the fellow was back at home fellow who was raped by white supremacists. So he went home and during that time, uh, somebody found an article or something. And and so people became aware. And when he came back, his friend uh, continued to connect with him and uh, for for years and invited him to gatherings and dinners and
0: to Shabbat dinner, to, to you know, a traditional Jewish Shabbat dinner. Yeah.
1: To boot. Right. So um, and he, and he went and the friend had asked everyone there. The only requirement is not to bring up his views on this, right? Like the, to not bring political up
2: views the, or anything.
1: The, yeah. yeah. Um, which they respected and it took the fellow a few years, but the, the fellow eventually brought it up to his friend, like the, the person from a white supremacist background eventually did bring it up to his friend, but the whole thing was, we want to know you as a person. Before and when you're ready, you can talk about it. And he eventually did. Um, and by that point, his viewpoints definitely had changed and he had made some big, like, changes. It was a remarkable story, really yeah, powerful
3: stuff, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Very and yeah, there was a lot of really moving stories of persons in their early 20s. Um, and I'm glad that he had put those in there, or, or not many, but definitely two i can think of and three i don't know when she started the one that built the table with the chandelier to invite people over because um they said it's been many years now and now she's like 43 yeah. so she started when she was quite young um
0: this is yeah, the story of the, it, wo- the, the woman in San Francisco who built the tape built uh, a community table.
1: table and yeah. invited her neighbors over and kind of guided a conversation and always had an open door policy and has hosted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at this point um, and really fostered community. And then the young gal in university who felt lonely and she started to research it and then asked random 20 random people if they wanted to have like a deep conversation, like a uh, gather with other people and have like meaningful conversation and guided conversations about that. Right. So and then she hosted groups um, as she went through her degree and passed that along to the next people. So I am glad that, again, the diversity in the stories, just to Mm -hmm. say, hey, you're never too young and you're never too old. You're never too anything to make a difference. Like, like, so you can change and you can make an impact. Yeah. If you're 19 or if you're 72, we can do this. Totally.
3: Yeah. What I liked about the uh, San Fran, the lady that had all the people over this 18-foot table in her backyard with the chandelier. She, I think she was really good at active listening as well. Like she had a keen interest in learning about um, the individuals that she would meet, and she would introduce them. She would say, "This is so and so, and he's uh, he's he's a father, and he seems like he's a great father. He's always lights up when he talks about his kids, and he's a lawyer, and he's gonna be sitting down here, right?" So people felt at ease. They'd walk in there, and uh, you know, here's someone who's very hospitable, but it also was, you know, um, took the time to to listen and uh, learn uh, about them. So I thought it was kind of uh, a neat takeaway as well.
1: That story was also great because she was uh, astute to the fact that people have different needs and have different comfort levels. So she would invite people to like say, this is our dinner, it's not just my dinner. So if you see water glasses are empty, feel free to get up and fill them or fill others around you. If You would like some more wine, go grab the bottle and fill the wine glasses of those around you. If you would like to clear dishes, please bring them in. If you want to load the dishwasher, please do so. Yeah. And she did that so that persons who are more introverted would have a task because she realized persons who are introverted don't always want to, they do better if they have a task mm. that they can yeah. focus on. So they would be naturally, they wouldn't have to feel awkward about finding one. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's lovely. All the stories are lovely.
2: So totally, I liked, um, just a quick about that college one about the, yeah, about the white supremacist and the friend he made is, um, I think it was the his friend who he made who is Jewish, I believe, he just said like he wanted to try to get to know the person. And you know, that's why he didn't bring it up with his friend. And uh, or I don't know if it was him or Vivek who said, like there's down below everything, we're all connected. There's some humanity there and and that connects all of us. And to um yeah. And I think they quoted Brene. That was Brown's actually his, the friend. That was that was the a friend that right? Yeah. yeah. So kudos yeah. like for him to, you know, reach out and to be like I want to get to know the person and, and yeah, beyond kind of our differences. And I think that could be said for so, so much these days. Um, Yeah. And I think it's, they quoted Brene Brown, I think was saying, I think it's hard to hate. It's hard a lot. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to hate someone up close. And I think it is kind of a very broad, like or very specific statement, but I think there's something to be said for, yeah. Once you get past differences or you, you really get to know someone um. Yeah, we're all humans. Yeah. So.
3: So, so Brene did sneak in there, didn't she? She,
1: oh, did. she did.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. She did.
0: Brene's force. Brene's. He's everywhere. Yes.
3: For good reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. For good reason. Uh,
1: just, we cut you off. We derailed your summary.
0: Oh People. no! It's that's <laughs> that's quite all right. Quite all right. I just had a couple other points there. One of them was uh, he talks about three circles of connection. Um, just kind of a way to, to formulate the idea of having kind of an inner circle, a midder circle, middle circle, and an outer circle. You know, the, the inner circle being the most intimate people in your life, um, usually comprised of just a handful of, of people. Um and then, you know, let's see. Inner circle relationships were better, inner circle relationships were better predictors of health and happiness than IQ, wealth, or so social class. So having those having that inner circle is really important as far as your mental and physical health goes um a middle circle could be people who protect against relational loneliness Um, it could be friendships and this this could expand to as many as 150 people Um, and we develop uh, this middle circle by gathering common interests And uh, these are like your social groups that you might have. And then the outer circle, which is uh, just kind of belonging to a greater community, which could be up to like 500 people or maybe even more. Like, you know, who are the people like you guys, you guys belong to Rotary, right? Which is a a big deal. You guys got something going on with Rotary this week. And, uh, you know, you're taking care of dozens, if not hundreds of people through, through this process, right? And that's you know, that's kind of a bigger, larger community. Uh, and he talks about another final point of the key points here was addressing loneliness inside out and outside in. So he talks about to address loneliness, we first need to get reacquainted with our authentic selves. This is where he talks about that vulnerability and and being comfortable with solitude as opposed to uh avoiding solitude. If you if you become comfortable with solitude, you can actually Help to to fight off the the loneliness feelings, and uh, then he talks about ways that uh, the more systemic changes, like parents, educators, policymakers, needing to help build and foster uh, social connections for people. Yeah, help find ways for for these communities to to be built and to grow, and uh, and that's what he's doing as as our current surgeon
3: general. I hope. Yeah. You're in good hands. My goodness. Yeah. Um, didn't he also talk, you mentioned Rotary. Didn't he also talk about service, you know, yeah. volunteering and, and doing something to give other people a boost? Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. research behind that as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. He talked about ways to, oh, you know, some of the ways that that help you to feel that, that sense of connection and have a, have a purpose is to find your cause and find something to kind of contribute to and, and devote some, some of your time and effort to. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so
1: i feel that i need to say this but this book was very adlerian
0: how do you mean brooke
2: (laughs) what do you think joanna do you agree um very like talking about um like community focus, connection focus to other people. And,
1: yeah, finding a yeah, sense of belonging sure. is mm-hmm. a huge and social interest is huge. Yeah. Uh, Adler was also the first to start group therapy. So just but he started yeah. group therapy as a group, like a social group for persons who didn't have anywhere to go and they didn't seem to have friends, so he would start like okay, we're going to all meet on whatever day so that we can all be together and form these connections and different things.
3: Yeah, just for context. Yeah, just for context. Joanna and Brooke are Adlerians. They went to Alfred Adler School of Professional Psychology in Vancouver, but their main campus is in Chicago. So any conversation we have, Brooke or Joanna will go, "You know who came up with that, right?" It's Adler. Adler More so,
2: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Any theory, totally more Brooke. Any idea? So basically,
3: Adler came up with this table sitting at this glass. It's the
2: Greek. He's the Greek of psychology
3: for yeah. sure. Yeah. Connection, conversations, hugs, all Adler, right?
0: <laughs> Pretty much.
3: A bit of an inside joke there, but
0: yes. You you, you didn't, didn't go there, Chris. Go there. I thought you went there too.
3: No, I didn't. No. You went to Yorkville. Yeah. He's uh, hes a wise guy though, this Adler. I'm sure you have some views on him too. This is a whole nother podcast.
1: Oh, I know. The,
3: the heavyweights of psychology the theorists Mm
0: -hmm. a year ago i was interviewing joanna and brooke for a class that i was teaching about adler and uh it was it was a great time we had a great time over the same zoom link it's crazy anyway yes very adlerian i think you're right adler is very pro what pro social what what were the words what was the word that he used
1: belonging interest
0: yes (laughs) Yeah,
1: Joanna, can you? Are you? I think you're better at seeing the social interest word. Gemeinschaftsgefühl.
2: Gemeinschaftsgefühl. Thank you.
0: there we are.
1: Anywho, so what would you guys give this out of ten?
0: I will give it an eight out of ten because I really enjoyed it. I felt it was uh, very informative and a really nice read. I go back to my little point there, though, which I just my my personal little point as a therapist is I wish it helped people, helped guide people a little more to how do you overcome your own loneliness in a uh, more pragmatic kind
3: of step by step way. Yeah, that's all. Never popped in my mind. Oh, Oh. sorry.
2: Go ahead, Chris. Uh,
3: Never that popped in my mind was actually eight point one, so very much aligned with Ryan. But uh, you know what I think he owned it. He's a surgeon general. He is a medical doctor, and this is his domain. And uh, yeah, I agree. I would love to hear more about the individual aspect of it. But I'm, not, I'm sure there'd be other books out there that can maybe help us out with that. But all around a uh, a good book, great read. highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, as the number popped up for me was eight. so. I would recommend. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's really. I think it's helpful for.
0: Like <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Ryan, what are you doing?
0: I was looking for our, another podcast. No, Go ahead.
2: Looking. No, no. I yeah. I just echoing. I just think it's a. I'm glad to have read it. I think it's informative. Uh, and I think it's just a good book. Not, you know, it's on one end. If you don't want something that is too self-helpy, and it's just more a um, uh, you know, talking about loneliness and really kind of making you think, and a lot of different stories and things to relate to for yourself and to think about. I thought it was great. I saw so it's not like, hey, here's a book about psychology and counseling. This is just a book that I think would be helpful, like a good read for anyone. So,
1: That's awesome. Eight. Yeah, I was thinking like seven point five, so I can be the tough one. I can't really tell you why that's okay it would be a little lower yeah it's just more of a feeling 7.5 like it was really good but i think something like a little oomph was missing for me but that would be a subjective like uh enjoyment for myself for reading like i did enjoy it but i feel like it could have been a little i don't
3: know the oomph you're talking about is actually at the end of the book you just got to keep on reading oh i just need yeah you guys didn't finish it that's your problem the exclamation
1: mark and that little but yeah no i've actually already referred this book like to two clients
0: so yeah
1: i, no, I mean it's... yeah it's really it's really i would say high up there
0: it's a good we, book
2: we could always make a few little categories of like one out of 10 which you know self help wise or one out of 10 out of just how easy to read or i don't know we could have a few different categories if uh, there's interest out there to try to get a better idea maybe it's an 8 out of 10 on this but 3 out of 10 on something
3: else. You know who created rating scales? Alfred Adler. (laughs) Of course he
0: did. Uh, How to Make Friends was episode 9 of the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast. That's what I was checking out on my phone. Guys, we actually are going to do this again. This was so much fun. Uh, We're going to do it again in a full cycle of our ambushes so five weeks from now it will be another time to do an, a, uh, a book club and anyone want to announce the book club with the book show selection you know
1: sure so we're gonna read uh, it's called the gift by edith Eger. Eger eager so eger. e-d-i-t-h and last name is e-g-e-r
0: all right. And what's that yeah. about? What why why should we be studying this one, Brooke?
1: Yeah, so Edith, uh she has a PhD in psychology. Um she's a survivor from Auschwitz and she knew Viktor Frankl as well. So she works in the field. She has two books. The first one is called The Choice, and The Choice is more about her story. Um I'll probably read that one as well because it was probably a bit more memory, which I Really enjoy. And then the gift is more about lessons of life. So I believe the description said that the worst prison that she's been in wasn't the one that the Nazis put her in, but the one that she put herself in. So the prison of her own mind. And this book was written to try to break free of that. So common um, negative self beliefs that people might have or negative feelings that people have and how to break out of that. So that's the one we're going to read.
0: That's it. The Gift, Edith Eger. we're going to do that in a few weeks, uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure Chris and I will have listened to it by then, I hope you guys will have read it by then, I don't know, jeez, no, I'm kidding, but we got we got a month to do it, so should be okay, enough time, Um, but that's it, you guys, that's what we got, this is our first book club, way to go, all I got to say is, I think that was very Skookum. Right? Yeah. A skookum time that we had tonight? tonight? I don't know. (laughs) Exactly say that.
3: Kind of. uh...
0: Skookum-ish. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two. Or all of your middle circle of connections.
2: That would be good.
0: And that will that will do for us. And have a good night. Thank Bye you. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Goodbye.
3: I'm more here for